That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. Here we talk guitars, gear, bands, mostly disparagingly. Um, <laughs> if, you look, if you look at our recent history, but uh, my name is Dylan Murphy, uh, um, guitar student, man of the world. And with me as always is my co-host, John Gillen. John, how are you? I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm drinking some coffee. We're both slightly sleep deprived right now. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. It happens. Busy schedules, busy lives, etc. It is the season, as they say. You were you were out gigging last night, so that's. I was I was I was uh, double uh, double whammy in terms of gigging and also entertaining my my dad who was up for the night because, you know, he likes to to come up to Galway every now and again. But it did end in it was basically a cumulative tsunami of Guinness just hitting my brain, so it's been a bit of a struggle all day. But whatever, <laughs> um, we we soldier on. And then John messaged me going, "So yeah, podcast in thirty minutes." Like, oh god. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, we love this and we love you listeners. So thank you very much for tuning in. Um, so John, things are, things are going well, you're in? Things are things. Things are things. So, things are things. Yeah, uh, we've been doing some short little videos. Where they're up on our, uh, currently just the Facebook page. We'll see if we can get them on Twitter and whatnot. Just little yeah. snippets on, hey, practice tips and ideas, since that's kind of what we're about here. We're spreading the love. Um, I'm doing that in conjunction with the Silver Sound Guitar Studio as well. So yes. check those Your out, like, the, like our Facebook page if you haven't already. And check us out on Instagram soon, I think. Is that a thing that we're doing? Yes, we, we, we will be doing that soon. We're, we're working towards that. We've got a lot of, a lot of fingers and a lot of social media pies right now. So we're just working towards that. That sounds they great. Those the less, that's usually, that's the that's problem. The thing. We yeah, keep ruining the keyboards. That's why we're so slow with it. Just damn delicious pies. pies. Um, anyway. Yes. That, that's, that's, that, those videos are great. I really, I really do enjoy them. The, you put one out inspired by our interview with our guest <clears> today <throat> about practicing and like, just, just do it. Just do the thing. So yeah, very, very enjoyable videos. Good content. Solid. Um, I can't stop talking. I'm going to play your lick of the week. And, <laughs> Let's uh, do that. Um, delirious. Here we go. Catch your breath first. Catch your breath. A bajillion licks of one week. Um, I, I, that okay. So, guitar solo. I'm gonna break it down. I'm gonna use my ears to kind of interpret what I'm what I'm hearing. Um, so you got that very early '90s, maybe late '80s sound. The 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 very slow groovy bpm with the, yeah. the backbeat and chugging power chord rhythm guitars behind it but in terms of chops whoo there are some chops on that those are like 80s style virtuosic moves being made uh, in an kind of an alt rock background so that's kind of where i'm flummoxed i would possibly guess maybe jerry cantrell but uh is it is is it allison chains uh, no, that's not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. I think it's, uh, it, there's a little too much reverb though for an hour. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah. I, I was kind of clutching at straws there. Yeah. This is actually Zach Wilde. And ah. the song is No More Tears from the of course. same album of the same name, 1991. Yes. Yeah, very good. That's a, a fantastic. We don't talk that much Aussie here. We really don't. Um, yeah, that's a, a killer solo. Really, really good. Uh, Zach is Zach is a, a beast. Like he's, he's, he looks he's, like a beast. He looks like a bear. When I describe him to students who don't know who he is, the first thing I do is, he looks like a bear. And then uh, I show him a picture and they're like, yeah, he looks like a bear with a guitar. Uh, Hell's Angel Bear, you know. <laughs> no, I, I, I love that. That's, that's great. Would this be one of your favorite Aussie solos? It, it is, actually. I, what was funny is I'd kind of forgot about it. And then within the last week or 10 days or something like that, we had it playing 
uh, had like a classic rock station on Pandora or something. Mm. I, I struggle to think of this as classic rock, but whatever. Um, yeah. It uh, and this came on and it starts with that slide intro, you know, and you're just like, whoa, what, what is this? And then there's the, the really great pinch harmonic stuff. I remember when I was first learning guitar, this was one of those songs where I, I distinctly heard that pinch harmonic thing. And I was like, what on earth is that? Yeah. He's, he's the king of it. To do that and make the guitar like scream. So. John, I'm going to cut you off for a second there because uh, do you know who wrote this song? Mike Inez from Alice in Chains. Oh my goodness. I did not there you know. Go. I'm just doing some, uh, doing some Wikipedia here. And yeah, also Lemmy wrote a lot of songs on this album. Yeah, cool. he did. I did know that. So uh, but yeah, I know Mike Zach, uh, Zach Wilde actually has a lyrics credit on this as well, which is kind of interesting. Really? Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's a killer solo. I'd love that's that's def, it's definitely one of those solos that you can fragment into different like exercises. You know, th- this would be a great solo just to learn down and, and bust, you know, improve your chops. Whether it's your because he's an alternate picking machine, you know, he really, really is. Um, in terms of those pentatonic runs, like, and it's weird because he was really good friends with Dimebag, who would be much more legato based. So yeah. it, it's kind of cool. Um, kind of cool I, to see I, the differences playing there. I do think his um his playing is a little um it's interesting because it is like you said it is very pentatonic based and that was a thing that he has said he distinctly wanted to focus on and find ways to make it sound more interesting because when he was cutting his teeth kind of right around this time period late 80s early 90s you had players like um Yngwie Malmsteed who were huge and what they were doing was all that harmonic minor stuff just as fast as you possibly can and this comes out and it's just it's completely the opposite of Ingve, but it's got some really great fast pentatonic runs yeah and there's some great technical aspects to this but it is very heavily pentatonic which is interesting so yeah i mean is that i suppose in this kind of especially when you're coming out of the 80s how are you going to make the pentatonic scale as you know interesting as you can i suppose just play it at speed like that because um, right. I, I that was just that start was, melting faces you know exactly yeah it's, it's, it's as easy as that um brilliant so we john you suggested last night now i was quite drunk when i agreed to this but you were like how about we talk about nostalgia for our uh, for our you know our, our little topic that we open our, our show with so usually we talk about gear or something along those lines but over the last few weeks, we've been talking about bands and you know influences and stuff like that. So, John, why nostalgia? Why why do you want to? Why, why do you feel we should talk about that? I, I think nostalgia is an interesting thing, partly, and it ain't what it used to be. <laughs> oh, oh, they don't make them like they used to. They sure don't. Um, Sorry, carry on. <laughs> particularly Led Zeppelin bands. Anyway. Um, coming to that, well, we've talked a lot about bands like Greta Van Fleet, and I think. Th- nostalgia in music is as much of a big deal as it is in movies right now so we see it a lot in films with things like transformers and reboots and you know um all these spider-man reboots and things and and essentially the idea is we're being catered to because of based on whatever just wait for the thundercats movie to come out so you know there was a time when when we were all children and we loved x y and z and so now they're going to make x y and z into a movie or re-movie or whatever mm. i think the same thing is true for music and we've talked a little bit about this before but the demographics for example in uh, spotify right mm. so that's why and we talked about greta van fleet basically being an algorithm band like yes the, <laughs> some people recognize that a bunch of 55 year old guitar players like to listen to Led Zeppelin. So we're going to recreate that. And it really yeah, has, we're very cynical, aren't we? Yes, exactly. And we're, we're not disparaging 55 year old guitar players at all. We're just talking about, this is what uh, Spotify sees. And so what Spotify does is they say, Hey, or for example, yourself, you know, they're going to target you for as much, um, you know, nineties grunge rock stuff as they possibly can. So that's just that's it. 
yep, that's that's what they're going to do. And for me, they're going to try to get me hooked on Def Leppard, despite the fact that I was I should be listening to the grunge. I'm still I'm still young. Dang it. But uh, <laughs> clutching, clutching, John. Clutching yeah, it's draws. But so anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of why I think it's I think it's interesting to look at how demographics is is driving that music industry but it's also the nostalgia and i don't think there's anything wrong with nostalgia and feeling like hey i've got this you know i still have a soft spot for def leppard tracks what can i say but i've also learned to appreciate everything else in between from like smashing pumpkins to kurt vile and yeah you know so math rock or dillinger escape plan so. Yes, who will who will actually be name dropped by our guest later? Um, this band supported them. Yeah, no, I think it's 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 funny how I don't know the whole Spotify thing. And don't get me wrong, like if if I'm picking something to take to a desert island, like Spotify Premium is something that I you know <laughs> I, I, I I literally can't live without. Um, basic bitch that I am, and I I just I, I just feel that the, the whole algorithm and you might like this and. But it's just how everything works now again. You you know you click on a you click on an ad for a watch, and then you're being like that out, that watch ad is picking you know appearing in your newsfeed for the next six weeks or whatever. It's just this whole thing. It kind of it, it, there's they're recognizing what to sell to you, and sometimes with Spotify, it's music, you know, and it's yeah. it's it's interesting. But then again, I've discovered some great bands through uh, Spotify, and like you might like this, you like I don't know, you like Jane's Addiction, you might like this, and it's it's. It's, I, I'm actually okay with it, I suppose. But when it comes to the way that bands themselves are writing music, it's an interesting to, thing to see because some things like genres do hold up in terms of, for example, I think like folky singer-songwriter stuff, there's always going to be a market for that there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always going to be like, it's, you know, it, it's accessible for a lot of people. Um, whereas you have something like grunge, which was very kind of flash in the pan. You had to be there early 90s sort of thing you know to, to to make that music you see bands making that music now and it just sounds really forced and quite irrelevant there's an irish band who i will not name um but they are no they're just they're they're doing quite well but it's just like hey we listen to never mind a bunch of times and there's three of us um listeners can put the dots together there um but it's yeah it's but it's but without any of the the sense of melody that made nirvana great you know that, that well and i think that was our complaint about bands like greta van fleet but then you have the opposite of that with bands like the darkness who very much heavily based on 70s call it 70s cock rock you know like it's yeah. um and in queen as well like the the parallels to queen are so obvious but i they did it in a very different way it's all tongue-in-cheek it's not meant to be taken seriously it's, it's so interesting yeah it's just it's the, the comparison like if you took fat bottom girls and you just made like four albums out of that line of <laughs> and just got like the, you know the makeup of the band poison <laughs> the, yeah the the look of them i it's 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 such an interesting thing because when i remember when the darkness came out and it's it's interesting just to because they were a very much nostalgia driven band you know it was uh just just a thing but i think it was there's this theory in like film culture that uh, there comes in waves history repeats itself for example when happy days was really popular in the 70s and you know greece the whole 70s revival of 50s stuff you know, mm. 50s revival in the 70s and then well and back to the future too ex- yeah it's just that that whole yeah, that's back. Exactly. 20 years later, everybody's talking about it again. But with music, it's interesting because I suppose with the the darkness, they were coming out at a time, you know, 20 years after the whole 80s hair metal thing. Mm-hmm. But it was people people really latched onto it and they did really well. And over here anyway, in Ireland and the UK, the darkness were everywhere, like everywhere. And everybody got that CD for Christmas. And it was just such a, a thing. And you either loved it or you hated it. And for a while, like I loved it until I hated it. Yeah. Because you know, when you're learning guitar, like they were great guitar songs, like really, really good. Terrible lyrics. God yeah. awful. Yeah, but, but they weren't they, supposed they were, to be. Yeah, they were supposed to be. The whole thing was tongue in cheek. Whereas something like Greta Van Fleet, they already take themselves too seriously. You know? Um, yeah we can't i can't get off bashing them but anyway no we'll, um, we'll start, a, we'll start a second podcast 
the anti-Greta Van Fleet podcast. Uh, yeah, uh, Greta, but Greta Rant I, Fleet. No. I, I do think there there is an element of that. Like you're always going to go back to those albums that were influential. I mean, look at what I did for a lick of the week today. Mm, like that yeah. was one of the first songs I remember hearing things on that I was just like, "That's amazing! How do you do all of that?" And I'm still a rubbish slide player, but nevertheless, like, That's okay. I, so I, I think, I think there's a place for it. And I think there's a, but it's a challenge to grow beyond your own nostalgia. I think. Yes. Very well put. And and, I, I but I think that's something we have to do one as, as an artist or as a musician. And two, I think it's good as a human being. You don't want to be the guy from, uh, Oh, I totally forgot the name of the movie. Um, uh, the guy who wants to throw the football over the mountain. Rudy. Oh, no, Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon yeah, yeah. Dynamite, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Uncle the, Rico, I think. Yeah, Uncle Rico. So Uncle Rico's like, I could throw that football right over that mountain right now if you wanted me to. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, that, I watched that. I watched that for the first time in ages recently, and I was like, God, that character is so sad. Just the living in the past all the time. But that's it's, just it. You know, I think that's the problem with nostalgia, too. So... I think it's fine to enjoy it, but I do think it's a little cynical for that to be the marketing ploy. And secondly, I think if you're not moving past it in your own playing and your own listening or whatever your particular art form is, I, I think it, you have a tendency to grow stale and stagnant and it's easy. Nostalgia is easy and it, it's also rewarding. Like you get that buzz, you get that dopamine hit of like, oh, I remember DeLoreans and time travel. <laughs> so quite a specific reference there yes no i i i think so and i think it just comes back into when you're trying to compose even if you do if you are writing music you are going to naturally want to just you know play music like the music that made you want to start playing in the first place it's kind of this this it's it's not a supposed rut but it's definitely if you want to it's definitely something that you have to work on if you want to do something new you have to expand your tastes and go back but for me it comes back to like i can't write anything out of four four or six eight you know that's just kind of how it is it's kind yeah. of my brain my brain has those rhythms that were really that got me into music in the first place well i'm curious too what would your take be on something like synthwave which is really huge right now and in part, I, it's really based on that 80s nostalgia. Muse has jumped on that bandwagon. I don't know if you've seen their latest album, but it's all very, yes, like yes, artwork just to... looks like it's straight out of Miami Vice, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's a, a bit, bit much. Yeah, Synthwave, I, I suppose, yeah, it is a thing. I mean, you hear it everywhere. I mean, I think of it in a modern context. I think of it in a nostalgia show like uh, Stranger Things, you know, that theme tune. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was it i mean it wouldn't be something that I'd, I'd really listen to because i do i am more attached to i don't know either good lyrics or good playing and i, I just I, I feel if i was to buy a synth to play around with it would be the end of my life as i know it because it's just do you do you ever youtube synths do you ever like go on youtube and be like oh i'm gonna look at an intro to synth and then you are just down a synth hole Oh my gosh. It's, uh, yeah. you know, having, having used a bunch of native instruments, plugins and massive and stuff like that. Like it's, um, it is, it's a complete rabbit hole. And if you start messing around with it, it's just like, it takes ages to know exactly what you're doing with stuff. And it's, it's a whole other, whole other realm. And it's one that it just, it's a little bit beyond where I want to be at the moment. So <laughs> that's 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 all right though no i mean the synthwave thing it's it's not something it's not for me but i can see a lot of people are really getting into it you see it in the kind of local musicians here in galway like some people who would be very much either like come from the classic folk tradition wanting to do something new and buying a synth and just incorporating that slowly into their set and now they're 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 rig up like they've ditched the guitars and everything it's just synths everywhere man and i i fair play to them but i can't enjoy that music unless i am in some way intoxicated <laughs> you know booze or either you know we're gonna leave that pause there we're gonna edit that out but yeah not my not my not my bag um yeah nostalgia uh it's it's a weird thing in terms of like musical taste yeah there you wouldn't go wouldn't you agree <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird I, just, uh, just to, I, I will talk agree. 
Yes, um, but I was going to put in my, you know, I will talk in our what we're listening to I'm uh, section later. I'm going to talk about because I made a, a top my top ten albums of the year list, and one of my favorite albums was by this artist named Soccer Mommy, and it's very much. 90s alternative influenced singer-songwriter stuff but it's just done with such a melodic flair that you just don't get from singer-songwriters these days so I was all about that album so yeah I suppose my taste as well that's what I was drawn to and that's I suppose that's always what I'm going to be drawn to you know I suppose people like music comes in waves and my wave was just the 90s stuff there you go no you're you're not wrong you're it's I think that's it it's just how do we I, how do we balance that and how do you avoid the trap of just becoming part of the algorithm? That's my concern anyway, as, <laughs> embrace as, an, the as algorithm, an artist, not, as someone, <laughs> say again, uh, embrace the al- algorithm. Don't fight it. <laughs> all knowing. Love the algorithm. All hail the al- algorithm. <laughs> <Hypnotoed>. <laughs> Uh, absolutely so, no, we, speaking of synth sounds it's like the best one ever yeah i i love to see how long it took them to come up with the perfect hypno toad I, I think we need to just close every episode with hypno toad sound <laughs> and in first place the hypno, I don't, um, <laughs> anyway so we anyway we're, we're getting really off off let's save it for our future i'm a podcast uh so we got a guest you reached out to um a, a you know, a YouTuber that we really admire uh, named Ben Levin. And I talk in the, our interview a little bit about how I got into his, um, into his music. But John, how would you describe Ben to people who do not know him as a, as a YouTube? Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. I, I first, when I first listened to him, I sort of imagined like if you took kind of Jeff Beck and Steve Vai and Frank Zappa uh, mixed in with, I don't know, a little bit of who who would be another good example here. I don't know. Basically, pick about four of your favorite guitar players, whoever they are, and put them in a blender and then add some more Frank Zappa, and that's about what you come up with. So, Yeah, he's, uh, he, he's a very – I don't know. He, he, there are a lot of influences like you've, uh, like you've mentioned, but I think he's really his own guy when it comes to his approach to guitar. He's a very got a very very open minded, I suppose, in a Frank Zappian sense. Yeah, very creative guy. Um, also went to Berkeley School of Music in Boston, and you know, very well recognized there. He got the whatever it was, the William Levitt Award a couple of times. Which, um, if you don't know who William Levitt is, basically he wrote a series of books and founded the guitar program at Berkeley. You should get the books and then cry because there is so much stuff for you to work on. <laughs> if, if you think you're totally proficient in something, there's a William Levitt book to make you feel like you're not. So that's, <laughs> that's about what it boils down to. So why even try? Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is our interview with Ben Levin. It was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed it. We're Hello. Recording. Hey, Ben. Hello right. is a great way to start an interview. It's like we've never met before. Well, thank you for having me on. And I was just, I, I got a wonderful prompt from you guys about creativity and how you keep that going when you're really busy, mm-hmm. how you balance the inevitable maintenance aspects of life, like taxes and making a living with being a creator, which no one's asking you to do generally. You know, that, and that's the hardest part about it is that I think that, um, you know, creativity is something you have to work on kind of for yourself in order for it to be valuable to anyone else. Like, for you have to just do it regardless of anyone telling you to or not. And so, yeah, I think of creativity as an ecosystem. So if you want to be more creative at guitar, to narrowly focus on guitar is kind of a mistake. You have to focus on all aspects of your creativity if you want to improve a guitar. So for me, I, I'll keep a journal and in that journal, I'll write uh, anything that comes to mind, whether it's a grocery list or a poem or a sketch of a fish with an erection or like, um, you know, silly stuff, bad stuff, good stuff, all of it's in there and I'm not precious about it. So like, 
you know, I don't want the journal to get stuff spilled on it or anything, but I don't really care about the quality of the contents. It's just supposed to keep me, you know, loose and, and active in that, in the, with words and with images. And then additionally, I think like having conversations is, can be creatively stimulating depending on how you do it. It's really amazing how well like all humans improvise with words. Like there's so many ways to say a thing. And so I try to tell jokes. I mean, not jokes to most people who hear them. They tend to be like annoying and confusing, but that's not my goal. I don't want to annoy or confuse people with my jokes. It's just what happens. But I try my best to tell jokes. I find that to be creatively stimulating. And then uh, when it comes to music, it's like with all the tools we have with recording and notation, you know, people are like, sort of, I, I feel like be people benefit from writing in notation and writing on the DAW, you know, recording and writing on their instrument and writing with just their voice. And so it's not, it's not so much uh, about like narrowly picking your, your um, focus point, but seeing what ways you can be creative in general all the time. Yeah, I, I find that as long as I can like figuring out ways to put pennies in my piggy bank of creativity that's in my stomach so that it bursts and I puke out pennies in the form of an album or something, you know, then I'm in good shape. Uh, Penny Puke would be a great album title, personally. Yeah. I yes. Personally. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I, want, I hope I could afford the album art. It sounds expensive. It does. Yeah, that's a, that's a, sounds like a lot of pennies. Um, that was a fantastic way to, to start off. Um, uh, what a glorious little spiel about creativity. Uh, you, John, and I much uh, journal heads. Nice. We kind of had that whole idea as well. So uh, it's good to hear that we are in good company. So Ben, for those that did, like, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll share how I came across you. I was, um, tra I was basically, I was living as a teacher in Hanoi in, in Vietnam. And I was basically, I bought a guitar for about $4. And I had already, you know, practice at home and stuff like that but I was looking to build up a routine and I was looking for five minute lessons and I found oh, your cool. um, arpeggios in five minutes and I think it's one of your, I think it's one of your more, more popular view, yeah. more viewed uh, videos and it's great and what I love is that it's just so condensed and I was thinking do you think of like the guitar as this as something that you like to do in like little bursts of like you know five minutes here 15 minutes there or when it comes to playing would you prefer to like sit down for hour periods at a time well, that's a really great question because I think um, it has a lot to do with the, you know, the whole creativity ecosystem thing. It's like, what, um, I, I feel that when I'm at my best, I'm able to sit down for a long time. And when I'm not at my best, I'm just not able to sit down for time. So it's not even a matter of, do I have the time? It's like, do I even have the energy or focus? So when I'm having a pretty focused period, then I'm able to sit for a long time and then I want to sit for a long time. But then when I'm not having a focused period, when I haven't been doing a good, jo good enough job, like keeping myself uh, creatively fit, then I tend to, out of, out of survival, make those kinds of bite-sized uh, exercises and bite-sized regiments, which is kind of what led me to make this series on... Uh, short practice routines but like I, I, yeah like it's really hard to focus um I'm, i mean it seems like everybody has this problem it's just really really hard and i think it's it's got a lot to do with how you start your day and um, so if you start your day like turning off the alarm on your phone and then you're also seeing your emails and texts there there's a little for me that my heart rate goes up so many days. because I've I've started so many days that way and they've been some of the most miserable days like you'll get like once my band was dealing with a difficult this guy uh, and so like I'm like turning off my alarm and then seeing the screams in my in my emails and uh, uh, that like somehow like Pavlov's dog I've behaviorally been conditioned now when I look at my phone in the morning to like get into like like this defensive mode like god I hope nobody's talking to me and uh you know like those kinds of your things day. will set the course for the rest of your day and 
that determines whether I'm able to focus for a long time or not. You know, that's besides being busy or not having time. Um, I think that's how a lot of people's jobs are when they come home. They are physically exhausted, but usually it's more mental exhaustion that keeps people from practicing. I think it's because of all the little ways that we get our asses kicked all day long. And just just to expand on that a little bit, do you have like have you a team for how for someone who plays so much music, um, how do you start your? Uh, the best days are usually started with some writing or practicing uh, acoustic guitar, um, or like warming up my vocals or writing in my journal. I just. For some reason, I don't have the discipline to do that every day, even though, like, no matter how busy I am, there's always time to play it. What's next? You know, even on tour, it's not, I could every day, and it's hard, it's hard to get myself to do it. But that, that is the best scenario. That's, that always yeah, sets me up doing the small, to do better. Thing. Um, like, like, yeah. Lead to more things. So that's totally. That's... And if I can just get an hour before I check my, all my garbage, all my social media, all this. Giving your power to somebody else. Yeah, all the stuff. (laughs) The social media is filth. It is filth. Covered in it every day. I'm a swamp, walking swamp. Instagram is garbage. (laughs) I love how your Instagram account links, like the, the, the link in your bio is to another, like getting away. Like it's a different thing. You had something. No, I was just going to say, I think, I think what you were getting at there actually is ties into your whole idea of the ecosystem. Like you're, you have to not just cultivate creativity and it's not just the discipline of practice, but it's cultivating the mental space for practice too. Would you say that's kind of a fair way to look at all this? Absolutely. Yeah. Perfectly stated. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The first thing that kind of stuck out to me when I saw you playing in your videos is that you have, is it like a Steve Vai signature model or something mm-hmm. that you play? Is, yeah. Would he be like your biggest guy for, for playing or when it comes to people that influence you and what you do? You seem to well, pull from a lot of sources. Yeah, historically, uh, if there's one guitarist that I've listened to the most and transcribed the most, it's definitely Steve Vai. Um, I think that I've had a couple musical epiphanies over the years and they've come from different artists. And uh, I'd say the first one came from Nirvana and Weezer. Really just like felt like I had to play guitar. It was because of Nirvana and Weezer. And then um, I think it was Steve Vai that made me realize you could like go to music school and you could uh like convince your parents that studying like like doing a career in music was something that you had maybe some amount of control over just because of the fact that there is a school for it you know just because music school is a thing and like opened up this door to like thinking of, of guitar as like something I could center my life around and then sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy you know i ended up trying to do everything steve i no. did and with the exception of like becoming super successful very quickly <laughs> i did a lot of the things i went to the same school as him and i uh you know i, I tried the same stuff and I, and i learned all the same things and uh, that was very good for me and then the next musical epiphany was from sufjan stevens which made me maybe think about uh this other like kind of very intimate depth you could get to with music where you're talking about like you know with Sufjan Stevens he'll talk about the state of Illinois and his music but he'll make it seem like this incredible magical wondrous thing the state of Illinois and its history and it's something I'm not personally interested in but when Sufjan Stevens shows it in music it becomes absolutely the most fascinating thing for the hour or so that you're listening to his album. And it made me want to find the beauty in like normal life or in the banal and, and sort of like extrapolate onto it and make it really powerful and sing and got me singing. 
And then the next big musical epiphany was Kendrick Lamar with To Pimp a Butterfly, and that got mm. me to want to start rapping. And so, and so I've been doing that a lot. And then I think the next musical epiphany after that was when we went on tour with the Dillinger Escape Plan, and I, and I watched them every night because they, uh, they, I think you can't possibly do a better live show than them. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see how that could be possible. It's something special. And right there's there. no, put on yeah, a there's no like, there's no, their lights are just strobes and they, it's just strobes and the band and they're just destroying your sense that there's a world outside of this place. Like you don't think about your life at all. I like my life. I don't want to make it sound like I hate my life. But, I, but you like totally enraptured in the performance with Dillinger. And um, that's something I want to do too. So, you know, lots of artists. I've only mentioned men, but there's women too. Like uh, Regina Spector was a big one around the same time as Sufjan Stevens, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, like um, I've been influenced um by this band tune yards yep. got me really interested in percussion and the way that can work in but yeah lots of different that's, stuff. that's great like there's there's um there's a lot to pull from there mm -hmm. and I, I think yeah i think you kind of need that though and just that kind of your range of musical influences kind of shows and you've got a lot of bands man i can <laughs> barely keep i can barely do the whole one band thing it's like having like three girlfriends so cool. you know in one you yeah. know with all the same with the, all the same schedules and um, so i'm just wondering like when it comes to that do you, are you the are you the kind of guy that needs that many kind of musical projects going on at one time um kind of like well Jason the way it ends up working out is uh bent knee is the one that does the most mm -hmm. stuff like that's the one that really takes up time and then in the rest of the time i'm just making some album and uh like i'll always be making an album on my own and so that that the, so i guess the the thing with bent knee and then me making solo albums or ben levin group albums those are the things that are the most regular in my life and then for everything else it's like I'm available when I can be for those people um, as much as possible um, and it's not really nearly as impressive or, or hectic as it might seem because what's really taking up all the time is bent knee and everything else is just in the holes like fitting it in uh, around our touring schedule. That's 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 a good way of putting it kind of like condensing it into you know, ways of uh, managing at these different musical mm -hmm. projects it's, it's really great to hear i'd be curious know, where does like teaching feed into that mm -hmm. sorry john you, oh you were <laughs> i was i was basically gonna ask the same thing like where does where does the teaching and how does the uh how does all of your uh, your your practice yeah. your creativity fit around kind of the full-time project of of making music are you still practicing stuff as well yeah so yeah i think uh if i didn't teach i probably wouldn't improve at music very much um because like making the instructional youtube videos kind of forces me to uh have something to say each week mm -hmm. <laughs> and so like you know you run out eventually if you don't put you know it's like a bucket full of water are some kind of music liquid and uh if you're just pouring <laughs> it out all the time and not filling it up then you have nothing well there's nothing you're, you just got a bucket no one wants that they want that juice baby and so for me it's like every single week i make a youtube video no matter what and i also whenever i'm not on tour i teach skype lessons and so between those two things um I'm able to first of all make a living and uh second of all but and maybe like I'd say equally importantly because survival is really high up there but equally importantly I like actually can uh give back in some ways like musical knowledge because I've had a huge leg up I don't want it to seem like it's just by merit of some talents I have or whatever that I like am in a position where I'm doing music all the time I've had a huge leg up because I could afford to go to the fanciest music school around. And then while I was there, I've met all these musicians who do my, who will play with me and I don't have to pay them. And I also just had like 
a ton of like positive support, you know, people telling me just go, just go. So, um, so I, I feel like I owe a lot, uh, actually. My, my knowledge wasn't acquired by merit of my um, skills exactly. It was, a lot of it was kind of just like there. Um, and so I wanted to be there for people who are just now getting the internet in like, you know, there's like three or four billion people who don't have the internet at all. Um, and soon they'll be online because with solar power, you know, and like the cost of the internet decreasing and maybe hopefully that satellite internet thing actually happens. Eventually they'll be online. I want it to be possible for them to learn all the music stuff without necessarily having to pay, uh, you know, what I think right now actually it's at seven hundred billion dollars to go to Berkeley. I think that's the number. <laughs> <laughs> give, or, give, give or take a billion or yeah. two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, well, that's, that sounds like a really great way of looking at it in terms of like balancing it out and giving something mm -hmm. back. I mean, it's something that I think a lot of musicians, um, you know, you're, you're recognizing where, you know, you've been, I don't know what, do you want to use the word privilege oh, or lucky? One of definitely those, privileged, yeah. definitely lucky. Yeah. It's kind of you to not want to say it, but it's like, I think more people, more successful people should be, uh, acknowledging that because it's so just, it's so like frustrating to always think that, um, to always think like, well, I think it's, I think it's just, uh, I don't think we have free will, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> I just don't think, I, we'll I feel like anyway, the philosophy I, I podcast. yeah, yeah. It's possible for people like, it's possible for a billionaire to be like Bill Gates. And then it's possible for a billionaire to be like some guy who doesn't ever give any money to anyone. Mm. And I think like all the people who have good luck should try to like, give some of that back and there's a lot more I could be doing that I want to do but I don't know I think it's uh kind of ridiculous for me to take all the credit you know yeah no I hear you that's um, yeah. one thing I'd like to ask is just because yeah sorry John no go for it go for it you there John yeah Cool. Just one thing I wanted to ask, because you seem to have, um, I don't know, a, a somewhat unconventional approach to maybe, I don't know, playing and I, I, I would, you know, from what your videos show teaching as well. And when it comes to like your actual students that you have, um, would, would, you ha would you feel that you have like a piece of advice that you would give students that, and maybe any piece of unconventional advice that, you know, you find yourself giving a lot that maybe not a lot of other teachers would give? I think the biggest one is um, like, I, I, yeah, I end up giving this tip a lot, which is it more is more, uh, <laughs> when it, when it comes to, uh, creative output. Hmm. So rather than trying to, uh, <laughs> uh, perfectly craft your first album and make sure it's like a right out the gate, it's a grand slam first album or whatever your first, you know, YouTube video or your first pr public project is rather than trying to make it perfect try to put yourself in a position where you are making many projects and seeing them to completion because i think it's a more valuable skill to be able to finish your stuff than it is to be a perfectionist and like basically just have your stuff kind of never come out and then the thing is like so whether this study is real or not, I'm not sure, but I heard there was a study where there's two pottery classes, one where every single lesson of the semester, they would make a different pot, and then another class where they'd spend the whole semester making one great pot. And by the end of the study, the people who were in the class that would make a different pot every week ended up making much more elaborate, beautiful, interesting, intricate pots and had just a kind of muscle memory for it. Whereas the people who spent the whole time making one pot were, you know, always like trying to fix this or that. And they were building off of a broken foundation in the first place because they weren't as good at starting as, you know. So, so like each time you start a new project and see it to its end, you're 
you're going to be building on stronger source material each time you give it another go. So many people, I think, uh, feel like this anxiety about putting out garbage, but I think generally, like, you're going, there are exceptions to this, but I think most people do put out their share of garbage before they, no matter how hard they're trying or how, you know, I just think that's part of the process. It's like a perfectly acceptable thing to make a bunch of art that sucks. Like, that's totally fine. The stakes are so low. You're not a surgeon. It's not like you're killing a whole bunch of people before you figure out how to do it right. And so then once you make the good stuff, that resonates with people and they don't even know the old shit exists. Like, the Wikipedia page for, like, every successful band starts like as if they're brand new when they're opening, they're already opening for some major band. Like the Wikipedia page leaves out all the shitty projects every band member inevitably put out or made or worked on or failed at before that band actually got good and then got Wikipedia page ready. (laughs) (laughs) We carefully crafted. That's great. You've also got this, you've also, You've also got a sign in the back there. And it even spelled right. It spelled the big I'm just noticing that now. <laughs> yeah, and it, that's a shirt designed by John Kilduff, who has a YouTube channel called Let's Paint. And his whole premise is he'll be painting while he's running on the treadmill and blending drinks. <laughs> uh, so nothing ends up good. But he does get a workout. But it's all about just like, go, go, go. Try, try, try. Have fun with it. Um, and yeah, like I think failure isn't something you you want, but it's something you should expect and uh, and not and not let it cripple you. Um, it's hard, easier said than done, but I mean, yeah, I've made I've made like I don't know, maybe like twenty albums, but the only ones I hear about are the ones some people like. You know, the other ones just nobody goes to them. There's so much content out these days. Nobody's going to find your garbage. Like the algorithms don't want them to. Like on YouTube even, YouTube will hide your videos if they don't perform well, because what's the point? Huh. Wow. That's really yeah. interesting. <laughs> I, I, all of this yeah. is absolutely fantastic. That's, that's such a good Thanks. point. Thanks. So that's... So as as we kind of wind things down a little bit, um, though honestly, I'd I'd love to be able to have you on again and just talk more and sure. in a more detail because this has been awesome. Um, but we do have a question that we have for everybody that we have on the show. So if you're stranded on a mm-hmm. desert island and mm-hmm. you have one guitar pedal, let's assume you've got an amp and let's assume you have a guitar but you have one pedal or one thing to kind of play around with yeah. besides the guitar and the amp. What, what would that be? Yeah. Well, it's gotta be a loop station. There it's you go. It's got to be. <laughs> like what, I mean, you're alone on an Island. How are you going to trick yourself into thinking that Wilson is jamming with you if you don't have loops? <laughs> <laughs> you can, uh, you can put in a chord. Here's what you do with loop loop stations. I don't know if you ever thought of this, but you play a chord progression and you and then you solo over it. That's what? way more fun than doing what than doing it That's all by so yourself. Ridiculous. Yes, you gotta <laughs> try it. Such a thing. Gotta, me. <laughs> <laughs> I love how John's currently blacked out, so it looks like we're used. Screaming at a void. Just yeah, a big well, you know? that's what I'll be doing once we hang up and before the next call. It's just, in yeah, the time just, just put in your busy schedule. Ben, <laughs> um, this was this was so much fun. Uh, we we Thanks. we'd love to have you on again, and we're we're looking forward to hearing what you've got in the pipeline next. Is there anything you'd like to? I mean, you've got so much stuff going on. Is there anything that you'd like um, to maybe shine a light on? Or well, I do. I do want to say that although I think we might not have free will. I haven't totally made up my mind on that. And I don't think it's very important. I don't think it's like something that's super important. I just think it's, it's like, cause I, I kind of get frustrated with that, that debate sometimes. Uh, I'm just saying the reason I brought that up was just because I think, you know, if you, if you got stuff, uh, you know, it's important to be humble a little bit and, uh that's what i wish i i wish i was a little more humble 
I'm sit tired. down, that's, be humble. Well, that's a nice <laughs> way to end the, uh, oh yeah, nice reference there. It's a nice way to end things uh, by saying I'm a, I'm a dick. <laughs> well, that's what we'll title the episode, Ben Levin. <laughs> Sounds good. Ben Levin is a dick. Here's proof. That would be funny. Uh, brilliant. Uh, thank you so much. And we, we really My pleasure. That. Thanks, and, you guys. Uh, hope you have a great day. And uh, looking forward to maybe chatting where, again. Hey, before, yeah. before we do let you go, where can people yeah. find out more about you and or get Skype lessons? Because that sounds like a thing we should do. Ah. Yeah. Well, uh, Skype lessons are just send me an email at music at gmail.com. And I, I have a YouTube channel that I put stuff on every uh, week. It's youtube.com slash benlevin. I have a band called Bent Knee that's touring quite a bit, and we might be in your neck of the woods no matter what country you're in next year. We're going to do a lot of stuff. And then I've got a bunch of solo music on benlevingroup.bandcamp.com. And my favorite fruit is the persimmon. Wow, that's an interesting fruit. It looks like a tomato, kind of, but it doesn't taste like one. (laughs) Yeah. Tomato, the under a forgotten fruit. Um, <laughs> uh, awesome. How fantastic. much do you charge for your lessons, Ben? Well, that I have to tell you off the air, off the record, because I can't ever increase my price if uh, if it's yeah. like, oh, you know, it used to be cheaper. Why is it more now? It's like because I have a kid now or something, you know. But <laughs> I'll just tell you, it's less than a lot of people think it should be. And more than some people think it should be. Oh, wow. I think that says a lot. That says a lot. Anyway, Ben, uh, a pleasure. And we'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Nice to meet you guys. Good luck with your music and with your show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Peace to you. Bye-bye. And we're back. Uh, I really, that was one of my favorite interviews I think we've done so far. I know I said that about every interview we do, but uh, such a nice guy. And I I loved, I don't know, I felt very at ease talking to Ben. He was very, I don't know, a a great thinker. And he's very, I don't know, unthreatening as well as a a guest for such an accomplished dude. Yeah, yeah, he, he really was. He's super down to earth, as you could hear. And just, I thought he had some really great insights. I'd love to have him back and kind of pick his brain a little bit more. Um, yeah. what was what were some of your takeaways i loved how he starts his day and he makes music you know he incorporates music into his day as early as possible for me uh, as for me uh, as a guitar player uh, i i find that it's something that i can tend to kind of put off until after work and then when work finishes i just don't really have the inclination i know it's not the same for you because you do teach guitar for a living but if for me i it's something that i really am trying to incorporate more into my mornings because it just puts me in a better mood so i think that him starting his day with some sense of creativity it doesn't even have to be guitar you know we talked about journaling as well Mm. just doing that and incorporating that into your day and that was probably one of the biggest takeaways for me and how about your stuff well i think it's interesting (laughs) that you sort of mentioned that it's different for me, but it really isn't because teaching someone how to play, you know, smells like teen spirit or stone in love by journey is not necessarily like the most creative aspect of my day. So <laughs> you're not uh, bitter at all, John, are you? <laughs> <laughs> but that said, I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. And I do, I, I absolutely love teaching and it's really awesome to see students progress and, and learn how to begin to express themselves. But um, for me, I also have to find that time, make that time of like, what are the things I want to get better at? What are the things I'm working on? How am I yeah. trying to improve? And so that's, that's, I thought it was really good advice as well. But I do think for me, I like the idea of creativity as an ecosystem and just yeah. thinking about like, how do we, how do you cultivate that? And it can be anything like you were saying, like whether that's journaling or I think even things like going for a walk or a jog or something can help you begin to think a little bit differently about a creative problem um, or where you're stuck in a song, kind of hum a tune. Don't, don't bring your headphones with you, you know, just go for a walk and kind of think through what you're working on and think through your tune. I think that's, that's a great way to do it as well. So yeah, there's so many different, I think it was a, a good conversation, you know, in spite of the fact that we went, uh, because of, we went on a lot of tangents, I felt that that was what kind of made it really interesting. And it was kind of, I don't know, 
we're kind of like chasing cars in terms of like ideas of stuff to talk about. But yeah, I really liked that and his idea of embracing failure as well. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's a great thing. I loved, I loved, I might get that shirt he had. Um, yeah. But it was, who did he say? It, was it, uh, I have it here. Pinted or whatever. Who, who was the uh, guy? John, John Altman. Okay. Yeah. That's is, it. Uh, oh wait, no, is it John? No, it's not John Altman. It is, uh, John Kilduff. Fine Irish name. Um, yeah, he's the, the artist behind that. Really, really cool t-shirts. Um, if you want to give him a googs. So yeah, no, I, I, I like that. And I think that as, you know, in our, you know, I hate to bring it back to social media, but in our kind of Instagram world, people are afraid of trying things because they'll fail them and because it won't look perfect. And I really liked his approach to failing as something that's very authentic and real for people to do. Yeah. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't worry about failing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I keep failing at trying to learn slide guitar, but <laughs> I do keep trying. And, you know, um, I remember no, I, 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 I actually did get good at slide guitar for like two weeks before and since then, but that's proof that I, if I tried it, I actually got good, but I just stopped. Right. I, I do Sorry. feel like that's, that's really good advice um, as well. And for someone who likes things to be perfect, the, his mm-hmm. point of just like, you know what? No one's going to remember the trash. So just do it, finish it, put it out there and be like, it's done. But you know, your friends and family will applaud you anyway and be like, oh, hey, that's not half bad, but they're never going to listen to it again either. So <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest. So yeah. you just just keep putting stuff out. And for me, that was really encouraging. So yeah, but, I mean, pick any like musician that's made any sort of thing. That's the thing. It comes, it all comes back, John. We've gone full circle. It all comes back to Queen. All no, the terrible <laughs> This is where the whole episode was leading back to Dylan's Queen rant. Uh, yeah, pick any artist or musician that has put up any amount of music worth a damn, and they have not the amount of, you know, uh, not everything's great. Not everything's yeah, great. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Some of the most prolific composers and writers have a lot of stuff that's pretty middle of the road or even bad. So, you know, anyway. Anyway, speaking, speaking of, of composers and things, what have you been listening to? So, John, I've been, well, I suppose we were listening to you, hitting me with the curve while we usually talk about what we've been working on first. Oh, you're right. Pulling the rug out from under me, but I'll, I'll, I will, nevertheless, I will continue. See, this is why you usually do the segment training. That, that is, <laughs> yeah. I have you a keep damn them in order. You're, you're messing you with let me. Let me do it. Lick of the week is going to be the last thing we do, and that's going to be that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's seriously. Big anyway. show. That's just. <laughs> quit the podcast altogether uh, we're not quitting the podcast please keep listening like and subscribe etc um, so I have been because it's that uh, time of year when everybody makes their end of year lists or all the bloggers and stuff and I used to do this all the time I used to do write-ups of my favorite albums of the year on my little blog uh, but this year I was just like oh I'll do an Instagram thing so I, you know from 10 down to one my favorite of the year and my favorite album of the year is by it's just i've just had it on it's it's just it's been on repeat since i first heard it it's great really good post-punky sound where the bass and drums are super steady and the guitar is a bit all over the place and the singing is the, the lyrics are great they're just one of these bands i've followed for the last few years and they've really grown in to make one of the best albums i've, I've heard in the last few years um so yeah that other i actually have my little list here of uh, albums that were on my end of year list so friends if you're listening uh, i think i've actually mentioned all of these on um, episodes before uh tell me how you really feel by courtney barnett joy is an act of resistance uh by idols historian by lucy dacus soccer mommy who i mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. uh yes really really good music this year and maybe on our next episode we'll probably talk about like favorite guitar moments of the year that we heard all year um, I think that'd be something good to discuss because there was some really interesting guitar music that came out this year or even yeah. that we heard this year. Um, how about you? What have you been listening to? So thanks to Spotify and their wonderful algorithms, um, I came across Mark. I'm probably going to mispronounce his last name, but his name is Mark Lettieri, I think is how you say it. So it's L-E-T-T-I-E-R-I. So he reminds me a fair bit of kind of a Jeff, back that's the second time i've mentioned jeff back in an episode that's odd okay. <laughs> awesome player though so and uh michael landau kind of combines kind of a uh 
bluesy, sort of similar to Delicate Steve type stuff. Okay. Instrumental, fantastic guitar player. Um, definitely, definitely some good, good stuff. So he's got a couple of projects he's been working on, but it was kind of cool to stumble across him. And he seems like he might be a cool person to possibly get on the show. That might be a thing Ooh. to do. So, but I would definitely recommend checking him out. Some cool licks and uh, a great guitar player. So he does lessons and things as well. So sweet. Yeah. I love that. I love having like just people that you really like listening to. And then you see that they have this like community as well. You know, like, oh, I also give lessons and I also do this. You know, there's, they're accessible yeah. as, a, as a musician. That's unreal. Um, cool. How do you spell his surname? Um, L-E-T-T-I-E-R-I. Cool. I'll definitely check that out. Um, sweet. As opposed to, you know, what you've been listening to, what have you been working on, Joe? Oh, so I had a student come in with like wanting to figure out some interesting ideas about how to play arpeggios because typically we think about sweeping them and that's kind of about it when mm. we kind of talk about arpeggios or arpeggiated playing. But Steve Morris has a whole bunch of different exercises and licks just from his music where he uses open strings and he's kind of doing string skipping arpeggio stuff all with a pick. And obviously, like as a classical player, you come across a lot more stuff like that. But um, the stuff that Steve Morris does is even a little bit more different than that. Shifting positions up, or up and down the fretboard. Not that Villalobos didn't do that. For all you classical guitar nerds that might be listening, <laughs> I'm totally aware I've played those etudes. So uh, <laughs> I can post them if you want. But the, the point is, is Steve Morris's stuff, uh, absolutely fantastic. It's a great way to shift your arpeggio ideas. And I got a few licks from the song Rally Cry, which was off the Structural Damage album, and a couple of things he had posted in, I think, Guitar Player a few years back, many years back that I just had floating around from one of my guitar teachers for ages. So yeah, he's cool. a, he's a beast. Like his instructional videos on YouTube are definitely worth checking cool. out. If you're in a rut or whatever, like he has these exercises that will break you down. Oh my like, gosh. They will ruin you. You will cry. Yeah. That air on a G string or something. One, one of the yes. That one, Whoa. that one there. Got it. It. Yeah. If you so, haven't looked that up on YouTube, I would recommend it. So while I have been slowly attempting to play things that Steve Morris can play very rapidly, what have you been working on? I've been working on the complete opposite, John. I've spent the last week listening to John Prine because last night we had our John Prine uh, charity night where uh, we had maybe a dozen or so Galway musicians all went up and everybody picks two different songs to go up and play. Um, and John Prine is such an interesting, as is from a songwriting perspective, because everything is one four five chords there is Talk a little bit about john prine for those who don't know because he i don't think he would be very well known necessarily yeah it's it's weird it's it's kind of it's it's a real shame so john prine's first album was released in 1971 he was about 21 at the time and it's it's if i had to pick a starting point i'd go there uh it was ridiculously high quality of songwriting for someone so young i i kind of summed it up to like to people who were you know really enjoying the night last night we were all trying to talk about like what made it so enjoyable him enjoyable as a musician basically all his songs are less than three minutes long they're all very singable and they're all very clever and sometimes they can be just absolutely heart-wrenching just break your heart sadness um he's got one song called sam stone off his uh, first album which is about a the guy comes back from the Korean War and, you know, just like it kind of just shone a light on the whole, you know, veterans being neglected by society. And it's just really, really good. So he's made albums throughout the years. He still lives in Nashville. Um, he, his wife is Irish and he has a house in County Galway. So he comes here about once a year. He's got a big local following. But I mean, he was beloved by, he is beloved by Bob Dylan and Chris Christopherson. And, you know, he has a, like, yeah, for a Chicago guy, he, if I actually had to pick my favorite thing for you to go listen to, he has an album that he put out in 1978 and it is quintessential blues rock, but with a singer songwriter fronting it. He's got this great band with a fantastic blues guitar player behind him. 
and it's just great solos and you know great banter and he he's just he, he really really endearing guy as well so and he put out an album last year uh called the tree of forgiveness uh, and one of the <laughs> songs on the album is about uh he, he basically just slagging off the scientists who decided to make pluto not a planet anymore and he's like <laughs> guys so bored um, so hilarious. uh very idiosyncratic, very tongue-in-cheek and self-deprecating, kind of my kind of songwriter, but, you know, terrified of songs with more than four chords. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm cool. a fan. Um, yeah, so I've basically been going through his discography for the last week. I, I picked two songs and I did them last night, one of which featured my girlfriend, which was nice for her to come up and play. Yeah, so now I'm, pictures, yeah. cool time. Yeah. Yeah, so now I am just kind of working on it. I've got a gig next week, so I'm just putting together some original stuff for that. And yeah, it's kind of it's got me busy. What with work and Christmas and everything. How about you? You know, how about you? You've got you've got a, anything else going on? I'm just trying to get Christmas stuff together, man. So work, trying yeah. to do a few more videos. Like I said, I think I think once we kind of get social media stuff up and running, we'll do a little more of that for the podcast here. If you guys like those kind of little brief one, one-off things, we'll do that. And uh, we're talking about doing some streaming here. So stay tuned yeah. to the YouTube channel if you haven't already liked it. It hasn't been active in a while, so we apologize for that. But what we're going to be working on is getting some streaming up, getting some old episodes up there. So you can throw on the YouTube in the background and do what you got to do. So exactly, yeah, we're, we're we're looking forward to getting more. We we may we're not going to say the name, but we may have gotten an interview with a guest coming up soon, and that we're super I, excited about. We're s- will be too. Childishly, like I I couldn't believe it when I heard it. So hopefully that will go through. Uh, we're not going to name any names, just just in case. Um, but yeah, so we do have a lot of things in the pipeline. Um, I'm currently actually. Uh, talking with some local artists about getting a new logo done and we're really going to take this to the next level so uh thanks everybody for listening this has probably been quite a long one but we really appreciate you tuning in and uh giving us the love and making sure that we're still in the top 50 percent of all podcasts yay Yay. (laughs) all thanks to you guys so uh john unless you've anything else to add i don't think so that's it like subscribe tell your friends uh, and most of all most importantly of all we're both very tired stay sharp friends we got there